Hello and welcome back to BIM Voice. Today I have the pleasure to talk with Scott Chatterton, who is the BIM Solutions Director at BIM One. How are you doing? Hi, I'm very good. Thank you. It's so nice to have you here. Please tell us a few words about yourself. Sure, you bet. Thank you once again. So as you mentioned, my name is Scott Chatterton. I'm a BIM Solutions Director for a company called BIM One. We're a Canadian company. BIM One is actually based out of Quebec, but I'm located in Western Canada in British Columbia. And our service is essentially providing companies uh, across North America support in the transition to BIM, but also project support. So we engage a lot with key projects or large projects or even small projects and helping construction companies, design teams, even owners utilize, adopt, take advantage of the benefits of BIM on their projects. So this is more like a consulting service is not a software. You don't provide a software solution. Right, correct. So we're the consulting branch of BIM One. There is a software branch, which it's kind of like a sister company, and that's called BIMTrack, which is a platform used for collaboration in uh, tracking changes in uh, the model. So coordination is a real key aspect to that. Yes, I know about BIMTrack. I know it, it's a really interesting startup and uh, an important issue right there, trying to help with uh, the collaboration, right? So aside from my work with BIM One, I'm also a member of the board directors for building transformations previously known as uh, CanBIM which is a not-for-profit organization it's been around for a number of years now and we just support the growth and development of BIM in Canada and uh, and now in, in North America. That's very interesting. What did you do before this? Yeah, so before I joined BIM One, I've worked for a number of architectural firms. And the last firm I worked for was a large a multinational, multidiscipline firm, and I was a um, digital practice lead. So we talked about, or we helped lead the company in uh, digital practice, moving forward, utilizing digital tools developing process, quality control, workflows. And also I supported our international organizations in the adoption of BIM as well, which was really interesting. And then through that, I got more involved with the other disciplines. Just saw, you know, through working mostly with architecture, the real growth and development of the integration between the other disciplines now. And, and really BIM demands that, right? It really demands the collaboration between all aspects of the project, all of the stakeholders, so I started to get more involved with the other disciplines, structural, mechanical, electrical, plumbing, and civil, and just looking at ways to integrate those more effectively and efficiently together. You know, I certainly learned a lot from working with the engineering department. That was really good experience for me, just because most of my career has been architecturally focused. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Okay, so you are an architect, actually. You're... No, no, I'm not an architect. But you worked with architecture more. Yeah, I worked a lot with architecture. My career, I started out as a technologist and... Uh, um, you know, in the early days, became a CAD manager, learned BIM, learned Revit at the time, and just really saw the advantages of using a parametric modeling system, you know, coming from mm -hmm. AutoCAD, even AutoCAD architecture-based platform. And um, yeah, just really saw the advantages of it, thought, you know, this is going to transform the world in three years. Mm -hmm. That was, you know, early 2000s <laughs> and uh, have kind of been an evangelist for BIM ever since. 
So yeah, that's so great to hear. I really like a lot getting in contact with people that uh, are passionate about the same things. And even uh, if it took around 20 years, you still did not give up. <laughs> you are still hoping for, for something <laughs> to happen. Yeah. So that that's very good. We need that. Yeah. If we go back, how important would you say that is collaboration in BIM or let's say in our industry? Yeah, very much so. And it's, it's becoming more and more important as projects become more complex, but also as society demands more from our built environment. And what I mean by that is, you know, in North America here, we've got the luxury of lots of space, lots of resources, and frankly, lots of money to spend on projects. We're realizing that that's not an endless pit. You know, we're realizing now that we have to be more sustainable in our management of our space and our infrastructure. We need to be far more cost effective and far more efficient in the uses of our materials and the sustainability of our projects. And the only way that we can do that is to design and construct more efficiently. You know, the only way we can control waste management, really research the materials that we're putting into our building, design efficient buildings. We can only do that using BIM and really we can only utilize BIM when we work together and work collaboratively and bring all of the data and information together. And that has been a slow process in North America. We're starting to see more and more of it now mainly because frankly i think a lot of the projects a lot of the project teams have been losing money on projects so they're starting to do that more and society is demanding it right we need to step up our game we don't have a mandate in north america unlike most european countries there is nothing really pushing us to do this in the industry so the only factors that have been pushing it you know initially it was the architects the design teams because they saw the benefits of doing parametric modeling instead of drafting with autocad so they adopted it they still had reluctance to share their models with the consultants and then the contractors sorry for interrupting it's still difficult to share the models even if you have or you don't have this requirement from the client yeah it's still a mixed bag like when when i talked about when we first adopted bim and there there was a lot of reluctance to share models just like there was reluctance to share their autocad um that was a number of years ago i think people realize now that they have to do it all of the large firms here bim is mandated within their organization so there's very few firms that are still cad based and they certainly promote the use of bim what we find though is the selection of the design team is not typically based on their collaboration ability mm -hmm. so you could find yourself on a project where you know the architect the structural engineer and you know the civil are in 3d and maybe the mechanical is still using autocad so it really impedes the progress of a project and a lot of that has to do with the owners the clients not fully understanding bim and them just looking at the bottom line figure going well this consultant's cheaper this consultant over here says yeah he'll do bim but it's going to cost a premium so either way i'll get the job done and just do it cheap yeah which is a shame and we're starting to see more owners realize the benefits of bim but they're still learning so i'll give you an example of that there's large national organizations say grocery store chain large government departments that are starting to now slowly develop their bim protocol or their bim mandates and the bim requirements for their projects but there's no 
you know, there's no formal, I think we're developing it, working with Canadian Standards and uh, some other organizations around slowly developing. And we have some provincial requirements, so school districts, some school districts now have a requirement, some healthcare authorities have a BIM mandate or a BIM requirement, but even then, we still need to educate a lot of the owners. Yeah, yeah, you hit the nail right in the head right there. If I learned something after this soon two years, since I do this podcast, this has been the most prevalent issue, like yeah. the lack of understanding from the part of clients but now because you are working with this right could you say that you work mostly with clients it's still a mix we're still doing you know the transition to BIM for a lot of small to medium-sized firms that need support and direction in in how to do it efficiently and effectively and on the flip side of that we're working with some large major you know, multi-billion dollar infrastructure projects, just helping to coordinate and manage a very large complex project, which we've got, you know, we've got people across the company that has skills and expertise in delivering large projects, all the way from civil to mechanical, electrical and architectural. And what exactly, how many more details can you give me about this? What is your approach? Like when you take on a client on a project, like you help them establish a strategy that they will use for this project, what requirements, they should have or what softwares what more can you tell me about this yeah so it it varies typically the large key infrastructure projects we're dealing with large uh, national multinational organizations so large architectural firms and structural and mechanical and contractors and they typically have an understanding of BIM they usually have a BIM mandate so our role there is typically they're under resourced so we can come in as experts and bring everybody together and, and as independent consultants we're impartial to yeah. each of the project team members so really we work on behalf of the client and frankly I'm for the benefit of the project as a whole. So that's what we do on the larger projects. On smaller scale, we can work with the owner or the client. So say, for example, somebody's doing a multi-residential high-rise building downtown Vancouver. We can work with the developer or the owner and firstly figure out what their BIM needs are, what their BIM requirements are, right? Explore what their BIM uses. Do they want to use it for facilities, maintenance and management? Do they want to use it for marketing and do utilize the visualization? How efficient, you know, what sustainability aspects are they looking at for the uh, for the building? Are they looking at uh, building performance analysis and, and utilizing that to reduce uh, the mechanical demands on the project? Okay. So that's really where we're working to towards dealing with a lot of clients nowadays passive home is is certainly taking a big leap forward oh. and people have a great interest in that you know before it was lead and that aspects and we still do you know 90% of the projects around in North America or maybe not 90% but a great deal of them are lead projects sustainability is certainly a top of mind for a number of people that's very good to hear are you using to any degree ISO 9650 as a guideline yeah good question so so lots of discussion in North America around ISO 19650 and and I think the and I'm being presumptuous here and, and these are my opinions but I think what we will end up with with our mandate and our BIM guide or BIM resources will be based on ISO 19650 but I think we need to go maybe in a little bit more depth and a little bit more specific to what we need maybe according to each region or according to each client and the client could be 
you know, um, like a housing corporation, something like that. Oh, that makes sense. I think this is the point of ISO 9650, not to be yeah. a rigid standard, but to be used as a framework that you can use as a starting point to develop whatever you need, right? Yep. And it's good that it's established and that it's being utilized elsewhere. You know, we're certainly looking at the UK, we're looking at Europe and Australia and Asia and the Middle East around what's happening there around BIM. And, you know, North America, we have to start developing and evolving these so we can take advantage of it further. Do you feel that the development, it's a bit quicker in Europe and the, the other places you mentioned? Yeah, good question. I um, If you asked me that probably 10 years ago, I would have said no, but now you know, seeing what's happening in Europe and in other parts of the world, I feel that North America may be slipping behind, but we've still got time to catch up. We've certainly got the expertise, we've got the desire and we've got the knowledge. We just need to initiate it and, and drive it forward. And I think organizations like CAMBIM, you know, the work we're doing across the country and helping to support it. And it's certainly a big initiative that's top of our mind as well. What about Building Smart? Does Building Smart has a presence in Canada? Uh, it does. Yeah, Building Smart has a presence here. Honestly, I'm not sure how big of an organization they are across Canada. Or, you know, CAMBIM, we're more of a, we do lots of regional sessions. We do lots of webinars. We do lots of information and informative sessions for our membership. Got a number of, uh, we call them think tanks, which are member-driven initiatives to help move aspects of the industry. So, for example, we got, you know, construction, technology, technology incubator, owner rep, those types of think tanks that tackle initiatives and provide resources for our members. Mm -hmm. You said that 10 years ago, maybe you did not feel this and now you feel that difference is happening. Could Building Smart be the reason for that? Because it's been around, I don't know, but I remember personally about Building Smart since around 2015 or something like that. And they did a quite good job, I would say. They pushed really well the open standards and now people are more prone to use these open standards and this is my feeling from the ground here in Norway regarding IFC and uh, so on like people have started to realize the value in this and they don't see like the old way is not working anymore we have embraced that I think building smart has been successful in Europe because of the IFC push and that's great right there's certainly a distinct difference between building transformations and and building smart around that they're more I think they're focused around the uh, platforms and the standards and the resources. Building transformations, we're more around membership and uh, supporting our membership and uh, providing them with information and resources and being the voice of BIM for Canada. Uh, the other issue there is IFC in Europe is very popular, right? It's utilized far more than we are in North America. And because you have quite a variety of BIM platforms, you don't have one predominant main dominant BIM platform. I'm not really sure that's the case because Revit is still the most popular here as well. Although is we it? have other, yes, yes, yes. Even if we have local solutions by Nemechek or Archicad, there are companies using this, but no, Autodesk still has by a big margin the most of the clients. But you said, maybe I misinterpreted, the question was not really right and not building smart, but actually through their open BIM mandate and the main and foremost IFC, like you said, maybe this, because we embraced, we really embraced IFC 
even though we still have a long way to go, but people don't challenge this as a viable option, right? So maybe this has made a change, although very often I have guests who, and we talk about uh, the negative parts of IFC and uh, that there always could be a better solution or something else. But the yeah. real truth is that this is working. You like it or not, it's working and more people are embracing it, right? And yeah. maybe if uh, they see value in that, maybe that could be the case for other people as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. You know, there are possibilities for IFC to improve. There's also, there's always room for improvement around IFC. In North America, IFC is rarely, rarely used, right? We're not IFC based. We are so dominated by the market through Autodesk that there's no real need for an industry foundation class platform, right? If shared in, in Revit or, you know, what platform are you using? And I think that to a certain degree has been I don't want to say a hindrance, but it's maybe been a, a minor handicap for us in, in full sharing of data and information, which IFC really allows for and promotes. So we need to kind of change our focus around that here. Data is certainly becoming king, and we're looking at ways to manage, collect, inform, and utilize data based on the platforms that we have and the platforms that we're using. So IFC is, you know, you talk to people in North America around IFC and they go, no, don't use it, never use it, don't use it. So. Yeah, and maybe that's due to lack of competition in North America for BIM platforms. Yeah, I will go back to one of the topics we brought on several times during our conversation, and that would be lack of education for customers, because customers, clients are those who decide. Like in Norway, we don't have a BIM mandate. You mentioned a few times BIM mandate. You mean mm -hmm. by that a law? Like the state has a law that you should do this regarding BIM, or you just mean an initiative taken by different organizations. What do you mean by BIM mandate? A BIM mandate can be in two forms. It could be a requirement, a national requirement for projects, or it could even just be a national industry guideline, right? We don't have any resources right now where an owner can go to and say, hey, what's happening across the country in regards to BIM? You know, if I do BIM in Vancouver, is it gonna be the same format or the same deliverable in Toronto? So we don't have any national standards. You know, we're still looking at different data formats. We're still looking at, you know, collaboration platforms or collaboration needs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we use a lot of what's been developed in the States around BIM uses, the BIM guides and, and the great work that Penn State has done. You know, we're looking at the mandate in the UK and then ISO 19650 is starting to mm -hmm. help educate people and become a resource as well. Yeah. Yeah. So when we talk about mandate, really, we're talking about all aspects of it. Okay. Because I thought more like a law or like a push from government or something like that, because we don't have yeah. something like that in Norway. I'm very happy with the development and how the things are evolving right here. But maybe this has something to do with the fact that it's not a very big country and people are more willing to uh, work together and to work on the same goals and not spread too thin over more uh, goals, let's say. And uh, what's happening here, like I said, we don't have a governmental uh, mandate, but the big clients, the big state clients, like for uh, buildings, railroad administration, road administration, and so on, all these companies, they are working together. They have a common goal. They are cooperating and collaborating to come up with very, very good and clear requirements. And at the same time, they try to help everyone involved in the process. 
to get them on that level. They don't just say, yeah, deliver me the best possible detailed model or something like that. No, they try to understand why they need that level of detail, right? And to have a good collaboration with, with uh, the contractor and with everyone else involved. And uh, this is what I see, like I've been working for uh, the railroad administration for the last three and a half years. And this is something that I think that functioned very well is that they are always trying to come up with very good requirements, very advanced from this point of view and always mm -hmm. promoting OpenBIM. Although we are using most of the platforms from Autodesk and so on, when they specify in their requirements, they say they ask for IFC or open formats, something that doesn't bind you to a specific platform or something, right? Yeah. So this is very smart and not only them are doing yeah. this, but all the other agencies, right? And I think this is very smart. Like in the UK, you have it like, a, I don't know if it's a law, but it's a governmental mandate, right? Yeah. And uh, although there is a mixed sentiment about that, right? Because nobody will just comply once you hit the road, right? It will take time, but at least people have their eyes set on something, on a goal, right? But I think I'm very lucky to be here in Scandinavia because this is what in general the Scandinavian countries are doing and they also cooperate between them like a Scandinavian uh, strategy, right? And they work together. They have the same goals. And I'm really grateful for that, to be in the middle of this and see maybe one of the most accelerated developments of adoption. Yeah, of and there's probably a number of different factors that have encouraged that you know it's certainly cultural it's environmental you know in north america and, and even the same applies for australia we've got you know relatively small population right we're in the low to mid 30 million but we've got a huge land mass so our population is really spread out across the country so it can be challenging as a nation to come together and agree on BIM deliverables so we're doing it in, in isolated pockets and then coming together and talking about them. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring everyone together and develop a series of guidelines or education to help bring everyone together. Yeah, and as I mentioned before, right, the demands for it have changed and evolved as well. And we've seen that through other countries as well. You know, in Africa, the growing involvement of BIM there, the rapid involvement of BIM standards in Australia, which is good, and certainly in Singapore and the Middle East. So yeah, as well as all the countries in Europe that have really got on board. But you know, it's interesting, you've got uh, influences from other countries that are more direct and impactful. Whereas in North America, we've got Canada and, you know, America and South America, and we're also spread out as sometimes it can be tough to collaborate on stuff. Yeah. Is there anything else you would like to mention that you think we did not touch during our conversation? No, I think it's good. I think, yeah, just the need for collaboration, the education of owners, the collaboration involvement of all aspects of of a project so from trades suppliers all the way up through owners that would probably be a good item to touch on i remember right now one last thing that i would like to mention regarding clients and requirements and everything else like here sure. in norway i started to see a real change when actually these big companies i'm talking about have started to hire and develop their own beam teams until then, very slow change. But since they started to have people that are working only with BIM on the projects, I've seen it with my own eyes, how quick it spread out. And uh, now what is happening, these teams are becoming just bigger and bigger. So I think the very, very important challenge and big challenge is to make clients understand the need for this kind of skills in their own companies. Yes. 
Yeah, absolutely. The need and the benefits of those skills and the benefits of BIM. And yeah, that's a really good point. And what you, what you find there is you, somebody took the initiative, one organization took the initiative and it's just spread out from there, right? And then people mm -hmm. leave the company, take those skills with them somewhere else and develop and foster them in other companies, as well as the trickle down effect of, you know, when you're working on a, on a full collaborative BIM project, everybody gets touched with it, right? The contractors, the suppliers, the tradespeople, mm -hmm. and they all gain a little bit of knowledge around BIM. Maybe they develop some resources specific to that project that they can use on other projects. So it's it kind of infiltrates down across there. And we've been educating and onboarding trades and suppliers around the use of BIM so they can start taking advantage of the data and information that's been developed around BIM. So we've got some, you know, we've got some rock stars in the industry that are really pushing the envelope and we've still got some laggers that that are still you know asking what BIM is mm -hmm. the same is valid here as well and as you said like not all the companies start at the same time like here as well not all these companies I'm talking about started uh, at the same time. There have been once of them earlier adopters. They invested a lot of time and money. And after that, the most of them actually have been laggards. But after starting to see the benefits from this, it just spread and they just wanted to talk more about with, uh, with the other companies. And they started to see the value. And after that, they start to cooperate and work together and develop further, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's yeah. good to see. You know, we're on the right track. I think, um, you know, BIM is still evolving and the industry is evolving and we're always catching up to the needs of society, the needs of project delivery. So I don't think we'll ever get to that to that point where we've caught up and we're happy with how things are done. We think we'll always be evolving and developing. We've got a long way to go in North America because as an industry, we are probably one of the least progressive and least technological industries, but there's certainly a lot of applications, software, and desire to move that needle and move it forward. So it's just going to take time. It's going to take lots of people talking on podcasts about it and um, <laughs> yeah. an education around the benefits and utilization of BIM. Yeah, like you said, not only in North America, the AAC is the least digitized industry. It's here is the same. And not only that, I was mentioning these good customers or good examples, right? But there are still clients that they see this or maybe are they are not aware about how these companies are employing BIM, but they are still lagging behind. They still did not get to understand the value in that. I know it takes time, of course. I have only one concern. I hope our planet will allow us that time until we catch up with everything and become more efficient and more sustainable. This is my only hope. Yeah, I agree. And we're running out of time on that. So we need to push that agenda forward. And actually on that on that note, I think it's incumbent upon a lot of design firms, a lot of architects as the owner's representative to inform and educate the, their clients around the benefits of BIM. You know, a lot of them, they may use BIM as, a, as their standard design platform, but when the client comes to them, they don't know. They don't know what services can be provided and what value added benefits there can be in the utilization of BIM. So I think we really need the architects and I'm asking the architects to inform their clients and say, you know, either for a little bit more money, we can do sustainability studies analysis, or here's 
Have you considered, you know, uh, operations and maintenance utilizing BIM for the, these benefits, downstream benefits? I think they've got a duty and a responsibility to help and inform their clients and educate their clients, as opposed to here's the design, we've done our design process, we've done our scope of the work, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's the first touch where clients can learn more about this actually, right? With the consultants they are employing to help them on the project. So it's yeah, vital actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome, Scott. It was very nice to talk to you. And I'm looking forward oh, to talk to you again. Right on. Great. Thank you very much. Really enjoyed Thank it. Thank you for joining me.